what was really damaging was the amount of access that I had, you know, to that life. Mm. It wasn't, oh, your mom is, you know, in a whole nother state and she's just hooked on drugs. No, my experience was your mother is right down the street. You don't have to tell me she's hooked on drugs because when I go and see her, I see that look in her eye. When I go and see her, I'm seeing, you know, crack pipes, you know, laying around. I'm seeing the drug dealer come to the home. Um, I'm seeing her purchase drugs, you know, which led to me later on selling drugs myself and using drugs myself. So, you know, I was in it, man. It wasn't this mm-hmm. picture that was distant. I was mm-hmm. in in that life. Welcome to And Then Everything Changed, a podcast about the pivotal moments in life and decisions that define us. I'm your host, Ronit Plank. Today, my guest is Travel Lynch. Welcome, Travel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this moment and uh, and sharing with you and sharing uh, with the audience. So, so thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. And we connected um, a little bit ago, and I'm so glad that our, our schedules aligned today so that we can talk about where you came from and, and who you are now and mm-hmm. the events that made your life unfold the way that they did. So I know that you live in California, but I you didn't grow up in California. So can you take me back a little bit to where you were born and raised and how many siblings in your family? Sure, sure. I was born in Chicago, Illinois, uh, Cook County Hospital, to be exact. Uh, mm-hmm. Spent seven years in Chicago and and then my grandmother uh, moved myself and my mother uh, into um, a home in Toledo, Ohio. So we kind of still stayed in the Midwest. Mm. Um, so really the majority of my earlier years, my formative years, uh, were in the Midwest. I do have uh, four sisters that are still in the Midwest. Um, and then I have three other sisters um, kind of scattered uh, throughout <laughs> throughout the oh. states. Uh, and then I also have two brothers as well, both mm-hmm. uh, in the Midwest. So a very mm-hmm. uh, extended family. There. Yeah, very. Do you did you get raised by mostly like which parent mostly raised you? Uh, to be honest, neither one. I was raised by my grandmother, actually. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. So when you said you moved, did you did you say that your mom, your grandmother moved you and your mom out to Toledo? Right. Correct. Yes. So when you say that, the first it, the first instinct I had was that you know your your grandmother was sort of the matriarch, but that your mm. mom was there to take care of you. But is that is that incorrect? Uh, yeah, well, you know, to some degree, I'll say this, that when my mother had me, she was only 16. So she yeah. was a teenage mom. So in those first, you know, couple of years, you know, she, she was there, she was in the home, she was in my life. But, you know, as a teenager, um, I, you know, obviously I can't recall all of it, but I would assume yeah. that my grandmother was kind of taking the lead. Mm-hmm. And then in those, you know, later years, uh, as I, you know, soon to discover uh that my grum that my mother uh began to to use drugs and alcohol and and it was in those years where she was no longer in the home and i was mm. solely with my grandmother ah so it, when your mom became uh, a user when she started mm-hmm. would you say she was an addict oh absolutely yeah yeah absolutely so do you understand how she came to not live with you was that a choice she made or was that a choice that your grandmother made 
I think it was a choice that that maybe my mother made. I mean, due to the drug use and the alcohol and just kind of living that that street life, mm. I think you I think you kind of gravitate kind of out of the home uh, as mm-hmm. I as I did personally later on in my own life. So mm. I would probably say that it was my mother's choice. Yeah. So was it kind of you and your grandmother, the two of you, for a while? Oh, it was my entire upbringing up until eighteen. Yes. Wow. And was she a pretty good a pretty good caregiver? Oh yeah, she was phenomenal. Yeah, she 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 you know as we say she did the best she could. She mm. provided the the roof over my head, food on the table, clothes on my back, um, and in, in fact she was a seamstress slash um, a nurse. So she oh, was wow. very nurturing. But you know for like some of the first maybe the first eight or nine years, uh, you know she made my clothing, and so wow. uh, yeah, so so she totally loved me and totally. Um, you know, did everything that she could to make sure that I had the best possible upbringing. Right. So then would would you say that when you were growing up, your childhood felt more on the secure side or more on the insecure side? I would say secure from from the context of if I needed it, she made sure that I that I had it mm-hmm. I- insecure from the standpoint of a emotional uh, perspective. Right. More mm-hmm. more about seeing my mother in the situations that that she continued to find herself in, um, mm-hmm. not having the father in the home. Um, mm-hmm. So it was more of an insecure, uh, emotional kind of upbringing. Um, yeah. Just not really and feeling very comfortable with myself. Yeah, I would love to spend a little time on this because I have a great interest in um, in that kind of a childhood, in, you know, mm-hmm. and how people survive and what the feeling is. Because now you're older and you're a father yourself and mm-hmm. you can give words to what you might not have been able to describe or really articulate back then. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like for me, it's like a sense of empowerment when you can go back and sort of witness yourself as a kid and mm-hmm. what you went through. And, you know, did you have any, and you know, I want to get a real sense of what you were like in these, you know, elementary school and middle school years. Did mm-hmm. you have a sense of um, feeling like you were going to be okay? Or did you, you know, I'm curious how much contact you had with your mom and what you were actively wishing for. Yeah, well, my mother, she was always, you know, there, meaning mm. she was always you know, I knew where she lived. I knew the phone number. Um, I spent a lot of time with her, actually. Um, oh. So, yeah, so it wasn't that she wasn't physically uh, accessible. It mm-hmm. was just that she didn't literally live in the home to actually raise me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, you know, growing up, um, I, I was very emotionally, I would say, traumatized in terms of, um, you know, at, at the age of seven, I began to stutter. Uh, around the age of eight or so, I, I gained a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was always, you know, isolated. I was always mm-hmm. picked on. I was always bullied. I was always ran home from school. You know, somebody was going to beat me up or somebody mm-hmm. was was going to talk about me or make fun of me. Um, and it didn't help, you know, that I didn't have that positive male role model. It didn't help that my mm-hmm. mother, you know, to those in, in, in the neighborhood was, oh, you know, that's the crackhead mom or that's the that's the this or that you know kids can can come up with some crazy terms yeah. and they you know just labels and so everything pointed to just not having a very healthy identity or a very healthy uh mm-hmm. perspective of myself um mm-hmm. so so yeah it was, it was very very uh, insecure uh, yeah 
Yeah. And, and did you feel like, did your grandmother talk to you about your mom's situation? Were you the kind of family that talked about what was going on? We talked about it, but I mean, she had no answers. It was Mm -hmm. the upbringing of, you know, this is what your mom does. And to be honest, I mean, she didn't have to tell me what she was doing. I was, I was witnessing it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, looking back, like you were saying earlier about being able to look back and look how far you've come, Mm -hmm. you know, what was really damaging was the amount of access that I had, you know, to that life. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, oh, your mom is, you know, in the a whole nother state and she's just hooked on drugs. No, my experience was your mother is right down the street. You don't have to tell me she's hooked on drugs because when I go and see her, I see that look in her eye. When I go and see her, I'm seeing, you know, crack pipes, you know, laying around. I'm seeing the drug dealer come to the home. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm seeing her purchase drugs, you know, which led to me later on selling drugs myself and using drugs myself. So, you know, I was in it man it wasn't this mm-hmm. picture that was distant i was mm-hmm. in in that life uh mm. so it, it was that much more impactful right and you know you you paint a picture of uh sort of this point in your childhood at seven where you began to stutter and you were traumatized and mm-hmm. you're getting beat up and you're bullied at that point you know when when do you think you started to form a picture of what you wanted to be or who you could be i'm curious about that sense we have as kids of what mm-hmm. is the path for us mm-hmm. and you know i wonder like did you have a moment where it started to just turn into this I, i'm not going to make it out of here you know Right. Um, I believe that that was my framework. I don't believe that I could ever look back and say I decided that I was never going to make it out of it. Um, what what I look back is to, you know, some of those pivotal moments mm-hmm. where I said things such as um, I can remember sitting in the basement, smoking weed, making music. Um, and I remember stating the fact uh, to those that were there you know, all I want to do with my life is smoke weed and make beats, <laughs> you know, and it seems innocent back then. Like, oh, you know, we just make music, man. We're going to be rappers. We're going to we're going to do this or that. But as I've evolved and as I've grown, I look mm. back at that and say, I confessed all I wanted to do with my life was to smoke marijuana and make like beats on a sound machine like <sighs> With a life and a world full of such great possibilities, that's all I saw. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm starting to see the ramifications. I'm starting to see the impact. I'm starting to see what my framework was. But back then, it it just seemed normal, right? I was living out Mm -hmm. of that framework. But looking Mm -hmm. back at it, I was extremely limited in my belief in what I could or could not do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's you're really painting that portrait for me do you did you do okay in school no see see average see mm-hmm. listen listen if it if it passed that was good enough hey <laughs> 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 if it got me out of that class you know bare minimum just get by yeah. no no excelling in anything no mm-hmm. just 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 enough to get by so when did things start to accelerate for you and you became you mentioned that you started to sell drugs and that mm-hmm. I don't know if you became addicted yourself can you talk mm-hmm. about that yeah, at the age of 14. So that's that's the, you know, that's the first year that you go into high school. So freshman mm-hmm. year, the first day 
they didn't even, you know, and I'm not blaming them, but I'm, I'm just saying they as in society or, you know, <laughs> just the kids back then, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't even allow me to get to day number two. I'm talking about the first day of high school I was introduced to weed. I, mm-hmm. I can picture it like yesterday. I'm, we're across the street at the bus stop. My high school is on the other side of the street, like a four, four-way highway that separates mm-hmm. one side of the street to the next. And some guys who I later became very close friends with, they were sitting at the bus stop smoking weed. They offered it to me. And at that time, I had already been preconditioned. I had already been predisposed to just not caring and, you know, you know, why not? Right. My mm-hmm. mother's do- doing it. My friend's doing it. My uncle's doing it. Who cares? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's that was the introduction of um, marijuana smoking it. The idea of later, which I quickly got involved in selling it, mm-hmm. um, op- um, you know, opium, smoking opium with it, wow. mixing, mixing different things with it. And so it, it just took me down a trail mm-hmm. of, uh, of using and selling. So, And was that for most of high school? That was for all of high school. Uh-huh. But that was for all of everything up until 23. <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah. That, was, that was my life then. Do you remember then what your relationship with your mom was like once you began using a lot? Did you have less or more contact with her? Did your judgment of her change at all? Um, I would say more contact because, mm-hmm. again, she was steeped in that lifestyle. And so I just pretty much joined her in that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, my idea of her never changed. I always loved her. She was always mom. Mm. No, no matter what everyone else called her. Listen, mm-hmm. that's that, that. That's my mom, man. That's that's you know. So, um, never not loved her any less or or cared about her any less. Um, mm-hmm. That that really didn't change. Did you feel she loved you too? I, you know what she, I I know she did. Um, it was just that. At that time, I couldn't put the pieces of the puzzle together like I can today. But as I look back at it, it was she loved me as best she knew how while not knowing how to love herself. Mm-hmm. So it, it was like, yeah, like she did whatever she could for me. If she had a shirt on her on her back, she would take it off for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at it through the lenses of like, true nurturing child raising you know equipping your child for success she just didn't know how to do that right right and do you think your grandmother's influence helped you was that carrying you at all at that point oh yeah yeah definitely yeah 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 yeah, because she she saw the stuff I was doing she understood the the path I was taking um but she continued to show up and she continued to provide for me whatever um I needed until we needed to part ways, uh, which kind of happened later on in life. Right. And I know we're going to talk about that. I guess my last question about this period of your life was um, when you were selling and using and you saw children that were, you know, seven or eight years old, did you, do you remember having any feelings about that or, or thoughts about, you know, the, the young you versus the you that you were now in your teens? Uh, back then? Yeah, like when you started using drugs more seriously mm-hmm. and you're selling them and maybe you saw children in your neighborhood who might have reminded you of yourself when you were seven mm-hmm. or eight. Did did any of those impressions get through? Did you have like a connection of, oh, wow, you know, that was me then and this is me now? No, no, no. I, I was way far too gone. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no. At yeah. that point, I was so deluded and so just out of my out of 
just out of sorts, out of my mind, so to speak, that mm-hmm. I, I was very callous, mm-hmm. very, uh, very reckless in my mm-hmm. thinking and my actions. Um, so, no, never had those moments. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the framework really is. And I've I've had this conversation before. Mm-hmm. It's you. You get used to it. Like you you think you really think this is life. Drugs, violence, guns, robberies, going in and out of jail, you know, getting caught mm-hmm. up in situation. You just accept this as life. Now, sure, you you know, you see stuff on television, people living better, or you may go into a neighborhood where people have nicer things, but it doesn't really resonate. It doesn't really compute that there's options or choices or 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 different lifestyle, mm. um, you know, you know, ways of living that you can really tap into. You really are conditioned to just believe the hood is is what I do. This is who I am, and you identify mm-hmm. with it, and you become very comfortable with violence and with and and with and with you know destruction uh, mm-hmm. on a very personal level. You just become very very immune to it. So interesting. Yeah, I. I really appreciate you telling me that because I think I had this idea in my head. I guess it's sort of a writerly idea or a cinematic mm. idea that there you are as a teenager and you pass by some young kid and you're like, whoa. But you're telling me no. <laughs> no. Like there's no there's no consciousness of that because you're just day to day trying to get through and, and living this way, right? It's just oh. not even what I want to idealize. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So can can you... <laughs> Um, can you t- take me to this this age of 23 when you said things like shifted for you? Mm-hmm, yeah. And you know what? Well, let me. Yeah. You, you mm, tell the story, Trivial. OK, sure. You, yeah. Let me let me take a step back um, because I said 23, but that was a different turning point. Really, it was at the age of 21, which mm-hmm. is where where, you know, things kind of changed for me, um, because at that point, you know, I, I had been steeped in. You know, being robbed and robbing others, um, mm-hmm. all sorts of crime, petty crimes as well as um, and, and, and this was the turning point for me when I got caught for grand theft because I was a thief. Mm-hmm. I was a liar, cheater. I was, I, you know, I always tell people, listen, can you name it? Yep, I can name it. OK, then I did it. Like oh, literally, wow. if you can just about like, <laughs> OK, outside of murder and uh, rape, mm-hmm. if you can name it, I probably did it. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, at this point, I, I was just in the streets and just just doing my thing. And so I got caught um, for grand theft. I was facing 15 years and I did it. It was 100 percent me. I, I, I totally robbed my former boss. I, mm-hmm. I was I had like a part time job at a bistro. Mm-hmm. Um, and here I am. You're right. This 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 in the hood, young black kid working for an upscale, affluent um, Caucasian master chef right Mm -hmm. and so um you know here i am having the nerve to rob him um of of i don't know how many thousands of dollars it was uh and so i got caught you know red-handed they had the video and everything so i'm in i'm in the county jail and um it was i didn't see the judge until the next monday Mm -hmm. and so when you get caught up on charges um if any of the listeners know anything about jail um, if you get caught on Thursday or Friday, then you're going to just stay the weekend uh, mm-hmm. until something happens on Monday. Mm-hmm. And so I'm there over the weekend. Sunday morning comes and I write about this in my new book. Um, Sunday morning comes and the 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 
the uh, jail uh, bailiff comes down and says, hey, guys, anyone who wants to go to service, let's line up. Sunday morning service, church service. Mm -hmm. And I'm not religious, don't know anything about God, don't know anything about anything. But I said, you know what? I'm tired of being in this in this cell block. Mm -hmm. So I'll go. Like mm -hmm. if, if it just gets me out of this room, I'll go. And so long story short, um, I went, I listened to it was, it was maybe about, you know, 10, 15 guys um, were in a room and some some women from a local church. They just kind of, you know, they did their thing. To me, it was a blur. But I know that they told a story um, mm -hmm. about this man named Jesus. And I always tell people when I'm interviewed, I'm not here to convert you or to save you or to bash religious. I don't get into religious battles. You do you. I do me. <laughs> but but I, but I heard this story about this man named Jesus. And I don't even remember what scripture they read or what they even talked about. But I tell you, this is what I picked up from it. And this mm -hmm. this was the turning point of my life from this literally from this Sunday morning forward. My life completely changed. I heard them tell a story that communicated to me, you're accepted. And what, mm. what, what resonated with me that Sunday morning was Jesus accepts me as I am with all of my faults, with all of my mistakes, with all of my robberies, with all of my stick-ups, with all of my theft with all of my lying cheating drug dealing drug using every mistake i ever made all of the problems that i had my mother my father my my this that and the other right um mm -hmm. you know being addicted to pornography which we didn't even get into but just pornography and just just everything i was going on you know everything mm -hmm. that was going on with me you're accepted and i think that that was the first time i ever felt like someone or something in this case, being God, something mm -hmm. didn't judge me on my outer appearance or my mm -hmm. abilities or inabilities. Mm -hmm. It was this idea that just because I am, I matter. Mm -hmm. And that's what leads me and, and has led me for the last 23 years to do what it is that I do. And that is to spread this idea, to bring this awareness, bring this consciousness to the idea that because you are you are accepted because you're because you exist you're mm -hmm. accepted so i don't want to get too far down that path but that was mm -hmm. that that that's what that's what changed everything for me obviously there's a lot that went into that development but that was the paradigm shift that was the moment of are, are of, you saying awakening. like it, it it just let enough light in or mm -hmm. made enough room inside of you to sort of plant i mean it's a it's an overused metaphor but to plant the seed to start mm -hmm. growing in there and and like becoming stronger Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, and I love that analogy. I, I don't think it's overused. I, okay. I, I mean, to me, that that's literally life. I mean, life yeah. is seed time and, and then there's a harvest time. So yeah, what you, what you sow, you grow. So mm, yeah. So, so then can you take me through the next I know we have, I know, like, your your life is rich, and there's so much that happens. So mm -hmm. we, you know, what would you like to pick out as the next shift or the next jump forward in in your journey? Yeah. Well, just soon after that. Right. Um, I don't know if you want to call it a miracle or not, but I was I had my record expunged. Um, I was forgiven and I was given the opportunity to pay back all all of the money that I had, I had stolen from my boss. And so, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes when you're on this path of faith or 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 belief, 
Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it has to do with evidence. A lot of it has to do with like proof, like, okay, if is God real or is this thing, whatever you're you know, looking into, is it real? Right. So we're always looking for evidence. Well, for me, I knew this man very intimately and mm-hmm. he was not a forgiving man. And mm-hmm. the fact that I could rob him and he come up with this idea of, hey, if Travell pays me back the money, expand expunge i believe that's what it's called yeah expunge his his record and let that man go that afforded me the ability to be where i am today in corporate america because had that record gone through or had he pressed charges i wouldn't be where i am today or have the experiences that i've had today so i just want to say that 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 was the that was the evidence. Wait a minute. Maybe, maybe God is real. Maybe, maybe this, mm. this, this, this faith thing is worth looking into because mm-hmm. uh, that grace was not something that was supposed to happen. He was supposed to throw the book at me, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, long story short, got out of there, um, you know, pay back everything. And, um, and at this point, did you get back into drugs when you got out and you're paying things back? I tried, you know what? It's funny. I tried to, and, and, and I did, but I did with um, great conviction, like great um, guilt. Hmm. And, that, and that, you know, it's funny that you asked me that because that was the other evidence. Because I would debate you like, I don't know what they call those people that, that are like professional debaters. I would. <laughs> I don't either. I don't know what I would, Yeah, I would. I would debate you like a politician. Like, listen, we, we came from God. Weed is natural. Weed is okay. <laughs> no one's ever died from it. Like, I would give you a laundry list of why I should be smoking this stuff. Uh-huh. But when I left and I went back to trying to smoke, something didn't feel right. It mm-hmm. just. It, it was never ever the same. And for about two years, because I was with my girlfriend then, who's who's my wife now. We've been married for 21 years. Wow. She, was, she was pregnant with my first son. We have four children now. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went back, I remember telling her, man, I'm, I'm trying to smoke this, but it just doesn't feel right. Something's not right. Now, I, I continue to do it because my mind hadn't been renewed yet, and I, mm-hmm. and, and I still had some growing to do. But I do remember feeling like something in me changed, and that was the other evidence that I that I look to, to understand that, yeah, in that moment, something, something definitely changed, um, you know, since that, you know, Sunday morning service, because in that service, they, they asked us to, you know, come up and say a prayer. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I, you know, ever prayed and, you know, said, Hey God, come into my life. I'm tired. I'm at the end of my rope mm-hmm. and I need some help. And yeah. uh, everything shifted from there. So, so then when did you leave uh, were you still in Toledo at this point or you were, you were in Chicago? Um, at that point I was still in Toledo. Toledo. Yeah. And so, so what is the next step in your, your growth? Yeah, that was, that was, um, my, so as soon as we got out of jail or as soon as I got out of jail, my girlfriend then, who's my wife now, we, mm-hmm. um, we went to, uh, join a church, which was, the church of my uh, first cousin, who was at that time a, a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he said, hey, you know, you guys are Christians now. You guys believe in God now. And, you know, the ways of God is that a man and a woman should go ahead and get married. Right. You, you guys are already with child. And so 
Uh, and we always joke with my pastor about the fact that he made us get married. He didn't, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't make us get married, but he suggested very strongly, like, yeah. Yeah, listen, you're already living together. You guys might want to make this official. Yeah. So uh, so we got married uh, as soon as my my girlfriend turned 18. She was like 17 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so as soon as she turned 18, we got married. I was 23. She was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got offered a job as a senior pastor here in Pasadena, California. And when he got offered that job, he kind of put it out there. Hey, any young families looking to relocate, if you're interested, pray about it fast, you know, seek God's will if you should, you know, move, move with us. And mm-hmm. so we so we fasted and we prayed and we read our Bibles and we did all of that. And so we decided, yep, we believe that we should relocate. So we did. And the next big shift for for me in my in my growth and development was um, not too long after moving here. Um, and I don't, and I still can't recall why I was given this opportunity, but I was given an, an opportunity by um, the men's group of our church at that time. Mm-hmm. They said, hey, we want you to come and we want you to speak. We want you to share a 15 minute message. You pick the passage. You just talk just share from your heart man said okay Mm -hmm. cool you know whatever i shared a 15 minute message mark 135 and uh when i was done and i've said this many times on my videos and my content Mm -hmm. um at that at that moment i'm i'm packing up my my uh, laptop computer ready to go home no big deal to me 15 Mm -hmm. minute message uh pastor eric brown who has later Mm -hmm. who 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 has since then he uh, passed away, but he uh, he walked up to me and he put an arm on my shoulder and I looked up at him and he looked down at me and he said, Travell, you are a teacher. And mm-hmm. I've always said those five words, five words changed my life. And I've and I've and I've said this many, many times to other people. Five words can change your life. He said, Travell, you are a teacher. That's all he ever said. Mm-hmm. He didn't expound. He didn't go into it. He didn't break it down. That's all he ever said. And when he said that, he smiled at me as if to say, you know, look, look, I, I see something in you. I, this, mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is real. You mm-hmm. are a teacher, man. And so that's all he ever said. And that sent me on a 20 year. Yeah. So that was in 2002. So this is 2021. Um, so this has been a 21 year journey mm-hmm. of teaching, preaching, educating. I've become an ordained minister, um, you know, speaking, you know, started my podcast, my my weekly broadcast. Um, I've been mentoring men for for years. I've been I've, I've been preaching in the church. I've been a guest speaker on multiple you know different stages and platforms. And so I have dedicated my entire life to finding how I can be the best communicator that I can possibly be. Because like you said earlier, all Eric did was sow a seed. Yeah. Um, that that I just, you know, look to to continue to water and mm-hmm. and, and, and just hope that we'll continue to grow. And now I feel like your belief in yourself, uh, you know, your faith, whatever listeners want to talk, you know, think about it, however they want to call it, mm-hmm. is just even more confirmed. It's like everything, I feel like everything you do reaffirms that you made the right decision and that you're on the right path. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it it does. You know, one of the things that I I teach in my courses and my and my and my work is just the power of self observation, self awareness, mm-hmm. um, being aware of what's already done. I, I like to play with the term. I'm an advocate for the already because <laughs> because I don't think there's enough people advocating for what already is our culture our society is always about leveling up the next big thing what's coming next previews at the movie theaters yeah it's always futuristic right it's always out there the 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 big carrot is always being dangled out before us right the best is yet to come right these are phrases that we use right it's so woven into our culture that we're not even conscious of it everything is always future based and what i've found is for me, and this is what I teach, is that the greatest form of self-development is self-discovery. It's mm-hmm. it's what's already there. Like like guys, we, you know, we're we're always trying to level up. I say level down. Get mm-hmm. get get inside. What let's let's discover what's already there, and build upon that. Be inspired by what God's already given you. What what's mm-hmm. already organic and natural for you. Um, so, so yeah, absolutely. It's once he said, you're a teacher, then my curiosity just went off and I said, okay, well, what is a teacher? What does that mean? What does it mean from a biblical standpoint? What does it mean from a a social standpoint? Mm -hmm. What does it mean from a professional standpoint? What is that? Right. And so I began to do assessments and observations and take surveys and tests and personality tests and on and on and on and on. And, and it's like, that's what I teach people now. It's like, Mm -hmm. let's assess, let's observe, let's, let's dig deep into what's already there and I promise you because many people are afraid to go deep or, or to to look within because they're afraid of what they'll find mm-hmm. but what I, but what I've discovered is you find number one you find what you're looking for but then also um, what's inside uh, it will inspire you if you grow in your understanding of it and mm-hmm. what many of us operate out of is a predetermined definition given to us by a very uninformed society and Mm -hmm. so then when we right and so then when we see it it's like oh well that's what that is and it's like Mm -hmm. well no are you operating through understanding or are you operating through uninformed opinions that Mm -hmm. you've been been conditioned to believe because you've been so steeped in the culture for so long right so yeah anyway that that's that's my whole spiel you'll you'll take me down (laughs) I'll get all fired up and I'll start preaching. So I, wait, did I, I you go down there? Your 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 word cut out for a second. Did you say spiel? That's your whole spiel, or you said that's your whole speech? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, about, yeah. I wasn't sure if you used Yiddish because I'm Jewish and Yiddish is spiel. Oh. Spiel is like you know oh. your thing. You know, like your whole like right. thing. Um, right. So I, I want to ask you, like, before we talk about where people can find you, I'm curious sure. if you if you can spend a minute or two or more mm-hmm. telling me a little bit about where your your family is these days and you know, the mm. relationships you may or may not have with your mother, your, I don't know if your grandmother is still alive. I don't know if you're connected with siblings at all at this point. And, you know, if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, my mother did pass away. Um, mm-hmm. But prior prior to her passing away, um, she also came into the church and um, just, you know, began to live for God, gave her life to God. And and uh, she began to serve faithfully in the choir. Um, she served 
in a soup kitchen um, mm-hmm. and, and just all types of different ways of just, you know, giving back to the community. So, um, yeah, so so her her life, you know, definitely turned around mm-hmm. um, my father, though, though, though he still lives in Chicago. Uh, we are, you know, now on, you know, speaking terms. Mm-hmm. Um, God has allowed us to be reconciled in a beautiful way. Um, so we speak, you know, almost weekly now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that relationship is great. Um, now with my siblings, that's been probably, probably the most strained in terms of we don't we don't have anything against one another. Mm-hmm. Is is just one of those weird dynamics that I think we're all learning to try to kind of grow through and take next steps in that we we grew up just like separately you know it's just yeah. you know my my dad went over here and had a couple of children by this woman and that woman then my mother went over here and had a couple of children by this man and that man and so we we we've got this weird just mom and dad went off and did their thing but yet mm-hmm. we're still brothers and sisters and so how do you reconcile that or how do you you know, so right now, you know, to be honest, it's mostly social media based, mm-hmm. um, you know, just kind of chatting with each other that way. We do call each other and kind of support each other kind of when when there's big events or, yeah. or, you know, challenges. But it's certainly not to the point where it's uh, we're just kind of organically flowing with each other. Mm-hmm. We've just all gotten over there over the age of 30. And it's like, wow, it's like now we're just kind of living our lives. And so. Yeah. You know, we're, we're we're open to whatever, you know, needs to happen and 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 whatever God wants to do with that. But we're not at odds. We we just kind of just grew apart. Yeah. And, and I wonder, you know, Travel, like when you think about yourself as a kid and when you think about your childhood and stuff and I know you've come so far and you have this beautiful life with your wife and your kids and your church. What's your feeling about your childhood now or what you went through? My feeling is gratitude um, because I, I I know that I would not have the depth of passion. I, I would not have the depth of um, of empathy. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to uh, speak to, uh, you know, to the suffering, to the pain of those that are still in that uh, yeah. situation. So I, I'm I'm grateful because, you know, God brought me through it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I continue to draw from those, those pains and those struggles, um, to really shape, you know, my service going forward to other people. So I, when I look back at it, it's, it's just, you know, full of gratitude because I, yeah. I know I could have, you know, which we didn't get into, but you know, there were, there were, there were three to four times where I know I, I should have lost my life, um, you know, at the hands of someone else mm. because, because there were times where, I had guns put to people's heads and, you know, they should have, well, not should have, but they could have lost their life, you know, mm-hmm. you know, at my hands. So very, very grateful that, uh, yeah. that I made it through. Yes, yes. And I, I think about that a lot because so many people have to go through childhoods that are difficult, painful, mm-hmm. dangerous, and not everyone, not everyone gets to a point in their life where they can think about it without it hurting them as much anymore Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you know it's not that the pain maybe goes away but that you have done something with it Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. you know? Some people are not God-oriented. Some Mm -hmm. people aren't prey-oriented, right? Mm -hmm. They're not like, they don't think about prayer. A lot of people I know, you know, I'm Jewish, but very relaxed Jewish, reformed (laughs) Jew. You know, why are you laughing? It's like culture, you know, you live in LA, so it's like culturally Jewish, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't don't invoke God a lot in my day, but I have a lot of people in my life who do what they call manifestation or they Mm. they put their attention on things and i wanted to ask you Mm. do you as as a as a person who's you know a god i mean are you you're a pastor right Mm -hmm. yes so when you talk to people who don't use the words necessarily god or jesus or prayer in their life Mm -hmm. but you can tell that they have an awareness of something more than themselves do Mm. you see that as like a gateway or do you are you is there room for you in those people's beliefs Wow. You know what? I love that question. Oh my goodness. I love that question. Yeah. I, I practice something and I don't not, I'm not sure if you are familiar with this, with this term or this practice it's called contemplation or contemplative prayer, contemplative lifestyle. Mm, no. Um, okay. Yeah. So really my focus is, um, to shed the, the dualistic mindset, the dualism um, within my own heart and mind. And so my only agenda is the awareness that you are creation. And so Mm. to be honest, even as a pastor, I have zero agenda with winning you to Christ, um, getting you saved, uh, making you believe in the blood of Jesus and, (laughs) and, and, and the cross has saved you. What, 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 what I want to embody and be an example of is someone who is aware of a creator's appreciation for his creation. Mm-hmm. And whatever yeah. that looks like, then you go and run with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I'm <laughs> glad about that because I know that mm-hmm. a lot of my listeners aren't necessarily overtly religious in that mm-hmm. old-fashioned quotation mark, you know, yeah. religious way. Uh-huh. So it's helpful to me to understand that because then I feel like, oh, yeah, I got it. You know, I get it. I yeah. can I can roll with these terms. <laughs> right, right, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, no, it's funny because whenever I'm interviewed, I always, in my spirit, kind of like in my in my inner man, there's always an inner pause, but I do it anyway. But there's always an inner pause when I tell the story of, you know, how how everything changed because the name Jesus just invokes this dualism. It's you're on mm. this side or that side. It's yeah, like, man. Right. So so the reality for me is a I ain't trying to win you to Jesus, but yet <laughs> in my right. But but you asked me the question. And my story is he's a part of it. I don't know what to tell you. Right. It's like, I don't know what to say. (laughs) That's that's how it happened. Right. So it's like if you ask the question, Jesus is a part of my story. But if. Yeah. But then if we go further and we just talk this idea of religion, faith, spirituality, then I can unpack where I am. Mm -hmm. But if you solely ask, hey, how did everything change? Well, Jesus was a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we talked about that. That's good. I'm glad we talked about that because it's, you know, people are so different in their beliefs, but there are mm. some, co- there's some like core things that we have in common. So yeah. that's why, that's part of the reason I love doing this show so much. So um, where can listeners find your work and, and connect with you? Yeah. So anywhere on social media, um, if you were to, well, social media, the internet, um, but I am the com is the mm-hmm. website. 
Um, but I've branded that and, and I've, and I've trademarked that. So it's, uh, you know, hashtag I am the possible, or if you literally just Google, I am the possible, um, then, then that's where you want to find me. Great. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I, I'm just so grateful that we, we had this opportunity together. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for allowing me to, to share in this moment with you and to, and, and to share with you. With your listeners, I pray that, you know, something I've shared and a question that you've asked has um, helped to to revive a hope within them for what's possible in in their lives. I pray that maybe a story that I told, um, again, just helps to revive. Right. That's my mission in life is to help mm. individuals to revive their hope for what's possible, um, mm-hmm. because I, even as I told the story earlier, there was a point in time that all I wanted to do was smoke weed and make beats. I didn't I didn't have a hope right for what was actually possible. I mean, look, look at me now, not to brag, but look at me now. (laughs) Wow, this was possible. And yet there's still more by God's grace. There's still more to be done in and through my existence. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that it was possible. Right. It was dormant. It was dead. It was lifeless. Mm. And maybe a listener. Right. Maybe maybe someone that will come across this. Um, you know, maybe there's a dormant dream, a hope, a vision, um, a desire, a passion, right, which I like to call the possible uh, in their lives. And, and, and maybe our, our conversation has sparked or, or you know, has, has, has helped to revive that, that hope for, for what's, uh, you know, possible in their lives. And so that's my, that's my hope and that's mm-hmm. my prayer. So, so thank you so much for asking the questions that you asked. Thank you so much for allowing me to share in this moment. This moment was absolutely precious. Uh, your podcast is absolutely precious. Um, the work that you're doing is precious. Uh, thank you for showing up for people. Thank you for showing up for me. Thank you for showing up for your listeners. Um, and thank you for just being being the contribution uh, that, that I believe God's created you to be. So, so thank mm-hmm. you very much. Thank you for listening to And Then Everything Changed. For more on this episode, photos, and other episodes you might like, please visit atecpodcast.com. You can connect with me and learn more about episodes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram also. Just search for my name, Ronit Plank, R-O-N-I-T-P-L-A-N-K, and you will find all the updates. If you like this podcast, please remember to subscribe and also rate and review so other people can find it. Thank you so much for listening.